This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. In this episode, the manipulative Musk tweet. Brilliance or blunder? The full transcript of this and every episode of The Rational Perspective is available along with full access to the Wall Street Journal in the premium section of biznews.com. In the 30 years since he left the relative backwater of his native South Africa, Elon Musk has come to personify the American dream. The brilliant entrepreneurial immigrant transformed from pauper to billionaire through hard work and ingenuity. Musk has attracted fame and fortune through a series of audacious business adventures, always doubling up, risking his millions then billions on something still bigger. He's come close to being wiped out on a number of occasions, most famously when he bet heavily on a fourth SpaceX rocket after the first three had flopped. That time he won. But after an unprecedented takeover offer by Tweet this week, his critics believe that this time the boy from Pretoria has finally overreached. But first let's recap. Here's how Bloomberg Daybreak reported the story this morning. Tesla shares down one and a third percent this morning. The Securities and Exchange Commission is said to be investigating this week's tweet from Elon Musk. Bloomberg's John Tucker is live with the latest. Good morning. And good morning, Bob. According to the Wall Street Journal, regulators have asked Tesla if what Musk tweeted was factual and why such a disclosure was made via social media rather than in a filing. Musk vowed on Twitter that he had funding secured for a spectacular $82 billion deal to take Tesla private. It sent the shares of the company soaring initially. So far, Musk has offered no evidence to back up the statement. David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlyle Group, has taken numerous companies private. He's never seen anything like this. Well, the board obviously has to retain um, an independent uh, set of advisors because if the CEO of a publicly traded company is leading a buyout, you have um, some potential conflict. According to a statement from six of Tesla's nine directors that came out yesterday, Musk raised the go-private possibility with the board last week. They say he had addressed the funding for this to occur without providing details. That clip from Carlisle co-founder and co-chairman David Rubenstein was drawn from a discussion he had with veteran journalists Tom Keane and Pim Fox of Bloomberg. Let's listen in. David, these are delicate matters, but on this historic day, we must ask you, first of all, about if you at Carlisle have any relationships with Tesla. We don't want to step on those. But it's an absolutely original morning, David, in my career to see the headlines Uh, come across. I I am familiar with it, but we do not have a relationship with the company. I saw it. I think it would be an incredible uh, buyout at $70 billion or so. Uh, That would be the largest buyout. Uh, ever done a pure buyout but uh, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but there has to be a relationship with a 20 percent owning principal entrepreneur if you will and his board how would you advise the board on a proper action given all the transactions across the david rubenstein career right. well the board obviously has to retain um an independent uh set of advisors, because if the CEO of a publicly traded company is leading a buyout, you have um, some potential conflicts. So you'd have to make certain that uh, there's no other offer that would come along from somebody other than the CEO. And if the CEO is going to lead it, uh, the board would have to make certain that everything is done fairly so that it's not to the advantage just of the CEO. 
David Rubenstein, uh, as someone that has an extensive uh, list of experience uh, with companies uh, going public, going private, and the operations of, of various companies, if one of your portfolio companies' uh, CEOs who maybe had a fifth of a company came out with a Twitter tweet about a potential uh, buyout at a specific price during market hours, what would be your first call? It would be unusual to think that that would happen. I haven't had that experience. Uh, Carlisle's had hundreds of companies we've owned. We've never seen something like that. But, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Musk is an unusual person. He's done some things that people didn't think could be done before, including creating Tesla from nothing. And uh, Right, but what would you do? Well, I would handle it in a way that would be private, I probably wouldn't publicly say what I would do. So even the heaviest of Wall Street heavyweights caution that Elon Musk is one of a kind and that he might be up to something that lesser mortals don't just get yet. His fans certainly haven't lost their adoration. But critics are more certain than ever that he's a charlatan. Keep your eyes on the road, you hand Eyes were off the road yesterday and all on Tesla as Elon Musk set the markets aflame, shall we say, with a plan potentially to take Tesla public. We got to make some more sense of this. And to do that, we have Kathy Wood. She's the CEO and chief investment officer at ARK Invest. They manage $6.5 billion. She's here with us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio in Manhattan. Uh, we also have David Kudla, chief executive. CEO and Chief Investment Strategist, Mainstay Capital Management. They have more than $2 billion under management. He joins us on the phone from Michigan. So, Kathy, let's start with you. What was your reaction to this yesterday? Well, given um, given our research and how undervalued we think the stock is right now, I mean, the stock today is in the 370 range. Uh, we think it's worth today, if this is our bull case, uh, we think it's worth $2,000 today if – if they, if Tesla is successful in rolling out an autonomous taxi network, uh, not even in China, we're not even including China in this calculation, uh, because it will move from a hardware manufacturer with 20% gross margins to a software as a service provider, transportation as a service with 80% uh, plus gross margins. And we think uh, that it's not only going to continue to do very well in the electric vehicle space, uh, but that investors really have to understand this is not just an auto company. This is a software and a technology company. So, Carol, I think we have our bull. Well, yeah, yeah. And, Kathy, that's a long-term perspective. So, that's no, be- no. Actually, our five-year – this is the bull case, though. Our five-year price target is 4000 Discount that using a 15% discount rate. Okay. Uh, that would that would bring us to 2000 today. So, I'm saying today. Oh, 2000 today. Okay. So, it's highly undervalued. You know, it's ironic, but we call ourselves, if you give us a long enough time horizon, a deep value investor. David Kula, come on in on this. You've been shorting this name, Tesla. Yes, we have. When uh, I was shorting yesterday between 3.45 and 4 o'clock and shorting again today. Uh, so we see it differently. Uh, we do see a car company. Currently, about 90% of the revenues come from uh, manufacturing and selling cars, uh, a company that's now been around for 10 years or no longer a startup. As far as a transition to a software company or everything in the future, whether it's EVs, autonomous, uh, 
robo-taxis, ride-sharing, whatever it may be, you know, we keep stressing this. Tesla doesn't own the future. They just don't own the future. Look at electric vehicles. Honda is buying their next-generation battery modules from General Motors, Japanese company buying their next-generation electric vehicle battery modules from General Motors. They've already struck that deal. China is going to be very, very active. They made it a national priority to be a leader in electric vehicles. The leader, the recognized leader in autonomous is Waymo. So there is no proprietary technology that Elon Musk or Tesla has. Uh, it is going to be a very crowded space, whether you're talking about uh, vehicles, the ride-sharing autonomous technology. Right. And there's going to be a lot of competition, so and, we, we, we just don't see it. And you know, I don't be, see it the way Kathy does. Right. And, Kathy, we've done here at Bloomberg a lot of stories about, hey, you know, what Tesla did was really kind of wake up everybody when it came to the electric vehicle market. Mm-hmm. And everybody was a bit sleepy, so they kind of had the first mover advantage. Mm-hmm. But now you see, you know, pick your automaker uh, that, you know, whether it's Mercedes, the higher end as well, beca- becoming much more aggressive about this market. Yes, and uh, we've had to face this question for uh, quite some time, and we do because we focus only on disruptive innovation. We, mm-hmm. we focus on it all the time. There's old DNA and there's new DNA. These auto manufacturers came out of the hardware world, and they have great hardware engineers. What they need are software engineers. Tesla's already there. Uh, software engineers are in short supply. So we think they have a, a competitive advantage. But just to uh, focus on a few things that David said, um, uh, EVs, they don't own the market. They're actually doing quite a, a very good job. In July, uh, they announced that uh, they had 52% share of uh, the luxury sedan market, uh, over half, over half of the lo- – so others are coming out with EVs and they are continuing. That's an increase in share. Uh, they also told us that uh, their biggest trade-ins for the Model 3 over the last six to seven months have been the Prius, the Leaf, uh, as well as the Honda Civic, which was the biggest surprise to us. They're expanding the market, the luxury s- sedan market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people who would never have bought this kind of car before. And in terms of competitive advantage, they absolutely do have competitive advantage. Their battery, according to our uh, uh, estimates and our research, is two to three, and our director of research would say four years ahead of anyone else. Uh, and you can think about this in terms of cobalt, the way they're adding silicon to the anode. They are being very creative, and that's not even and and that's not even considering the marvel that their battery pack system, which lines the bottom of the car, is. No one else is doing it that way. So, David, I, I only have about thirty seconds left, but I have to ask you: How much of your short is about the company, and how much of it is about Elon Musk? The it's about fundamentals for the company. Uh, I I I think that that Kathy's right. You know, Elon Musk has been a disruptor. He, you know, you've got to admire the mission of saving the planet, moving to sustainable energy, moving the industry in that direction. In terms of the engineers, uh, there is a legacy business in Detroit and in in other traditional automakers that is extremely profitable that that Elon Musk and Tesla don't have to fund. Uh, the next generation of flexible mobility, mm-hmm. and that's where GM and Ford and, and these foreign automakers have that. Right. And they do have great engineers, Kathy. I know them. They've got great <laughs> engineers, Dave. and they are going to beat Tesla. 
Here to help us understand this more and get his reaction is Gordon Johnson. He is Managing Director, Alternative Energy, Metals and Mining, as well as Equipment Analyst for Vertical Group. And uh, Gordon, just to underscore, he has already a sell recommendation on Tesla with a price target of $93. Shares of Tesla currently trade at $376. Gordon, always a pleasure to hear what you've got to say. What what was your reaction uh, when you saw or learned about the tweet from Elon Musk? Well, I, I got to tell you, Pim, and thanks for having me on. I mean, initially it was sheer excitement because it seemed to me like this was the nail in the coffin. Um, I mean, you got to think about this, right? Let's just take a step back. Just a few days ago, Elon Musk promised that they were going to be profitable forever, um, starting in Q3. Um, so why would he need to go private to end negative propaganda from the shorts? I mean, if they're going to be profitable forever, and he's saying he's going to go private at 420, I mean, the short covering alone would drive the stock to $500. I mean, you got to think about all the dynamics regarding an LBO. First and foremost, a leverage buyout, if you're a leverage buyout investor, what you're looking for most is EBITDA or money generation for the com- from the company to pay the interest on your debt and ultimately the debt. And we know that's not what this company does. And we know that these, um, you know, they, they rebuffed an investment offer from Saudi Arabia. So if you're passing the hat uh, for the largest LBO syndicate in history, why would you say no to a big check? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And when you think about the fact that this would be a 70 or 80 plus billion dollar deal, um, uh, you know, and, and that it's minutely choreographed. I mean, the legal, legal risk for any party involved would be significant. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, multiple in, in, uh, uh, lawyers that would need to be involved, multiple investment banks that would need to be involved. And we've heard nothing from any of these Tesla financiers or lawyers regarding a potential LBO. And just today we learned that, you know, uh, the board members are saying they just started talking about this last week. Listen, Here's the thing. The question is, if the SEC does their investigation or if they investigate and they decide there's wrongdoing here, will Tesla investors care? You know, if Elon Musk broke laws here, will they care? Probably not. But I think the bigger problem is if there's no real offer out there, if Elon Musk can't over the next few weeks show that there's a real offer out there, I think he has serious problems with respect to his current investors and, and, and credibility. And I think that's the real problem. And when you're thinking about, you know, even if Elon Musk rolls his shares and, you know, the share, you know, the, the, the employees roll their shares, you're still talking about 60 plus billion in capital that needs to be raised. You have two current investigations alleging fraud, both with Solar City and with the amount of Model 3s produced. You have a number of other potential issues um, uh, underpinning this company with respect to a potential SEC uh, Wells notice that may be out there. I know that people have said that's not the case, but if you listen to the question on the call, the analyst that asked the question did not ask Tesla, do they have a Wells notice? He said, do you have something that precludes you from raising capital, which is not the definition of a Wells notice. This just seems... I mean, quite frankly, ludicrous. And, uh, you know, that was our reaction yesterday. Okay. Is there a way that you can see Elon Musk actually completing a deal like this? Would it be, is there, I mean, set aside for just a minute your skepticism on a technical basis. Is this a deal that is just too big to get done or is it possible? That's a great question, Pim, but I don't even think it's about the size of the deal. Again, think about this. A leverage buyout is based on a company generating cash. So if you're an LBO investor, you effectively take debt in a company to take the company over. With the prospect being, they're going to generate cash to pay you back for that debt or pay you back your interest and then pay you back for that debt. When has Tesla generated EBITDA? Never. 
So why, as an LBO investor, would you be willing to go out on a limb and risk potentially, uh, you know, a huge default and wasting your money? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any logical sense. And I think that investors and the public and, you know, quite frankly, SEC needs to see this actual money that he says he has secured. Those two words, money secured, that he said, I think need to be proven out over the next days slash weeks. And we're highly skeptical that's going to be able to be the case. You know, it's like a very general question. Is there enough money out there to do this? Yes. But does it make sense? Absolutely not. Let, let LBO investors scrutinize bills much more than equity short sellers do. And I think that's what's gotten lost in a lot of this, you know, uh, you know story. We're getting the picture now, and it's complicated, like seemingly everything else in Elon Musk's life. So who better to explain it all than Bloomberg's Jonathan Perrow, with a little help from some friends. This is how it typically works. A company, a CEO and the board will get together and they'll talk about what to do in the future. Maybe they'll think about going private. They'll have that discussion and then maybe they'll think about disclosing that conversation to the general public and they'll do that through a statement. And then perhaps the CEO, if he likes social media, will go on and tweet about it. That's typically how things work. With Tesla, it's kind of like back to front. Um, the CEO starts tweeting about it. Then they put a blog post out about it. And then the board come out and say, oh, yeah, we talked about it just the other week. Uh, Tesla saying the board had met several times over the last week, actually. They also say this discussion um, included talks on funding. However, both the board and the CEO, of course, have a long way to go to convince many investors that this is going to happen. Or that it's even credible. Um, to discuss, I'm pleased to say that Joel Levington is with us now, Director of Fixed Income Research at Bloomberg, and Lana Nguyen, Bloomberg FX Bond reporter, joining us as well. Now, Joel, I want to get into the credit side of things mm -hmm. with you. Let's just say that a CEO has an incentive to juice a stock. Um, talk to me about convertibles and the relationship between the convertible notes of Tesla and the equity price and the kind of levels that are important here. Sure. Well, uh, uh, Tesla has a wide uh, variety of convertible bonds that are outstanding, uh, many of which convert at about a $360 price. And yesterday, post the news and still holding up today, even though the stock is down a little bit, those bonds went from being uh, non-convertible, meaning they would have to refinance in debt, to convertible where they could be converted into equity and uh, therefore would not need a liquidity event. There's about $3.3 billion worth of those bonds that converted yesterday. So Elon Musk could basically clear a lot of the debt if the stock price gets to a certain level. Yes, a lot of the investors have been concerned about 2019 where they have a billion and a half dollars of debt coming due, which is really two converts. One of them is $920 million that comes up in March, and that is one that uh, went into the money yesterday, uh, tipping over the, I think, 358 uh, $359 price. So just to be clear here for our audience, if they're not familiar with these particular securities, do you have to wait until the spring of 2019 before you can actually execute if you hold these notes? Uh, well, I mean, you can buy and sell them today, but converting them into equity yeah. would happen, uh, you know, when they uh, when they mature on, the, on that maturity next, date. Next, yes, March first. The other issue, and you and I have gone back and forth of it, mm -hmm. and I know there's a lot of technical jargon in there, so let's explore some of it. Sure. There is a 2025 note yes. from Tesla, the much talked about 2025 note, yes. because when it was issued last August for this maturity at this duration um, and at this credit rating, it had a record low yield. It also had a covenant in it. A change of control covenant, yes. which is quite important if you're going to take the company private and you could possibly have a change of control. Walk me through what it could mean for that particular security, Joel. 
Sure. Well, the change of control uh, is in a lot of bonds that are outstanding, uh, which gives uh, bondholders some sort of recourse. Now, in the case of Tesla, there is the 101 change of control, meaning you could put it back to the company if an event occurred. But the included in that event requires a uh, a one single owner owning at least 50% of Tesla on the backside, uh, when in this case, when it goes private or if it goes private. Uh, as uh, Elon Musk was giving us yesterday, uh, that will not happen. So this, this bond will remain outstanding, which is why the bond, while it moved up initially when he was saying it was taking a private, has come back down a little bit uh, and is nowhere near the 101 conversion price. So basically, if the company's going to go private, the upside's really in the convertibles and in the equity? That's exactly right. Yeah. Lanan Nguyen, your thoughts on what has been a crazy um, 24 hours for this company. I'm calling it the most polarizing company on the planet. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's pretty polarizing, and I was sitting on the squawk desk yesterday and could not keep up with the headlines or the share price. So <laughs> macro investors, obviously, uh, anyone who's trading equities, but also just people in general are you know, very attracted to watching the headlines on this firm. So um, you know, I was squawking one thing, then another thing came up, yeah. and it just kept going. So it was pretty relentless yesterday, and, and obviously also, the, the shares were moving like crazy. Yeah, I think we we're trying to work out now, Lanan, and I'm very careful to use words like fraud and price manipulation. On a program like this, and I think as, a, as an institution here at Bloomberg, we're incredibly careful about not throwing those words around lightly. But those words are being part of the conversation, so we should explore them. How difficult is it to prove the motive was to, manipul- to manipulate the price of the stock with a tweet like the one we got yesterday? Well, I mean, I, I think the lawyers are probably on it and thinking about it right now, because when it comes to publicly traded companies, there are a lot of protocols that you have to follow, a lot of things that you have to file and paperwork that needs to be, um, you know, properly processed before yeah. these types of announcements happen. Um, so he may get some questions and he's certainly getting questions from the public sphere. But I don't and know if that from the short sellers, I imagine, as well, who got severely burnt by the move yesterday. The other thing outside of manipulation is to explore fraud. He said we had funding secured. A lot of people are asking whether the funding is secured. I spoke to Gene Munster of Loop Ventures, and Gene said that term that was used on Twitter is vague enough for him to get away with it, because how much funding did he have secured? Was it just one conversation with one investor? In that way, maybe he had a little bit of funding secured. Did he mean all funding secured? So it's a very kind of grey area. But nevertheless, I would just say that the bears feel even more sort of vindicated by this. And the bulls have a new target price of 420 and they feel vindicated as well. And that pretty much sums it all up. Pretoria raised super entrepreneur Elon Musk, a global personality on whom there is no middle ground. A man whose disruptive tendencies are now challenging long-held rules on regulations around mergers and acquisitions. Well, whether investors love or hate him, they certainly can't ignore him. This has been The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. And do remember that the full transcript of this and every episode of Rational Perspective is available, along with full access to The Wall Street Journal in the premium section of biznews.com. Go and have a look. Until the next time, cheerio.